Welcome to the Water Faucet Podcast. I'm your host, Harry Harmon, a professional engineer with over 45 years experience in the drinking water industry. Join me as I answer your questions about what you deserve most, clean, safe, and abundant drinking water. Thank you for joining me at the Water Faucet. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. John Donahue, the Director of Government Affairs for the North Park Public Water District. John has been in the waterworks industry for 42 years. Along with his other work, he is the Legislative Chair of the AWWA Water Utility Council, which is the advocacy arm for AWWA's office in Washington, D.C. He has testified twice before the U.S. Congress on issues facing the water sector. He is also the chair of the Illinois section, AWWA, Water Utility Council, which is the advocacy arm for AWWA in Illinois. He was the principal negotiator on behalf of the water sector on the Lead Service Line Replacement Act, recently signed by Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Welcome to the Water Faucet, John, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us about the Lead Service Line Replacement Program. Thank you, Harry. I appreciate being here today. Um, this is obviously a very important topic for Illinoisans and, and uh, water customers across the United States, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you very much. Before we dive into the Lead Service Line Replacement Program, perhaps it would be a good idea to explain to our audience what the AWWA Water Utility Council does and how it and you got the Lead Service Line Replacement Act passed. So the floor is yours, my friend. Uh, Perfect. I can do just that. Um, You know, before I talk a little bit about the Water Utility Council, let me just tell you what American Water Works or what AWWA stands for. Um, I'm not sure how familiar your audience is with with, uh, the American Water Works Association. Uh, but the American Water Works Association is an international uh, nonprofit scientific organization that has over 50,000 members um, internationally. I also, as part of my uh, volunteer work, participate with the Illinois section of the American Water Works Association, uh, which has about 2,600 uh, members uh, locally here in Illinois. Uh, one of the things that that we pride ourselves on is that we represent probably 85 to 90 percent of the utilities across the country. Um, We're very active in government regulations. We're very active in education and training of water professionals in both the municipal waterworks sector and the privately owned waterworks sector. And, And that's specifically what our role is. We also establish the standards for the industry by which uh, products are, are made, by which you know fire hydrants are constructed and made, uh, water mains, uh, all kinds of appurtenances for the water system, and this, and we also establish the standards for how how to operate and maintain a, a water system. So the Water Utility Council is the advocacy arm for AWWA, both in Illinois and in Washington, D.C. And what we do is we we represent municipally owned utilities and privately owned utilities when new regulations are being proposed at uh, Illinois EPA or US EPA or legislation is being proposed that could impact the water sector in Springfield or Washington, D.C. We monitor those. When we see something that is uh, important, uh, that, that we make sure that municipal utilities are represented in the in the um, stakeholder groups, that's where we come in. So when uh, the Lead Service Line Replacement Act was originally 
proposed, and this was back in 2018, 2017 timeframe. Uh, so we've been going at this for four or five years. Uh, when it was first proposed, we became involved in it and we started to meet with stakeholders, both in the water sector and stakeholders in the environmental community, as well as, as uh, legislators uh, in Springfield. And we met for you know a couple years trying to put together a lead service line replacement program that that would be implementable. You know, and and I think you know if you were to ask uh, some of the f- other folks that were in the room who were not representing public utilities, I think everybody would would say that this is not a a perfect act. That everybody uh, nobody got everything they wanted that we all had to do some give and take. And at the end of the day, I think we we all got a bill that we could support and we felt was something that could be implemented by utilities, which is the most important thing. When we first got to the table, we immediately came right out and said, we all understand, the water industry understands that lead service lines got to go. So it's just a matter of how to do it and how we're going to pay for it. So I'll stop right there, Harry. I, I want to let you get a word in edgewise here, but that's kind of where we started and how it got going. Well, that's great. No, keep going. Um, like I said, the uh, uh, main thing is that the act is in place. I think it, it's noteworthy that the lead and service, the, the lead and copper rule has been in, in effect for a number of years, since at least about 1991. And it was set up so that so that if there was if you couldn't reduce the corrosivity of the water enough to keep lead from getting in the water, they were going to replace the service lines anyway. But they were given, I think, seven years to to do it. Now the act here, if I understand it correctly, allows up to twelve years. But we're talking about a a process where the lead and copper uh, rules are being met. There's very little or no lead going into the water from the service lines, but we're we still know the lead's got to go. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so, you know, just to keep it clean for the uh, for the audience, the lead and copper rule is a national rule established by the U.S. Congress, managed by the U.S. EPA. The Lead Service Line Replacement Act was established by the Illinois General Assembly, and that's managed by the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency. As of right now, the Lead Service Line Replacement Act in Illinois will, for the most part, supersede the provisions of the federal rule because it's more restrictive. Many, most of, if not all, the provisions in this act are more restrictive than the federal rule. Um, while there is some areas where they're the same, for the most part, this one will supersede the uh, federal rule. So for right now, it might be easier for your audience if we just talk about what's going on in Illinois. And truthfully, that's probably all they really care about anyway. Yeah. And, and of course, the, the nice part about this is, and that's the way things are set up, is that uh, we have these uh, federal regulations from the EPA regarding water supplies. But as long as the, on the state level, they are more as restrictive or more restrictive, that's a good thing. And in many cases, uh, Illinois, in, especially in this case, it's more restrictive, which is, again, uh, a good thing for uh, the people of Illinois. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. And let me tell you why, why it's important for Illinois to be a bit of a leader. Certainly Flint, Michigan took it on the chin, you know, when they had their issues there back in 2015, 2014, 2015. 
and, and they are the poster child for what what can go wrong. But just to put it in perspective, uh, there are about 1.6 million lead service lines in the United States, and that's probably a very conservatively low estimate because many utilities don't have a good idea of how many they have. So that's that's probably a conservative number. But in Illinois, out of that 1.6 million, we've got about 636,000 lead service lines. And the city of Chicago has about 400,000. So the city of Chicago alone represents about 25% of the lead service lines in the United States. So one of the re- it's one of the reasons why Illinois has taken a bit of a leadership role in developing these these regulations uh, for for the water communities. And as I understand it, uh, it was as late as 1985 or 1986, and Chicago was still allowing the installation of uh, lead service lines. Yeah, you know, we we in the water sector, I would say pretty much every other community in the state discontinued using lead back in the 1950s, um, maybe early 60s. Um, but the the uh, city of Chicago, uh, along with I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I think I think they got some pressure from some of the unions, uh, especially the the plumbers union. They pushed hard to keep lead in the city. Now, truthfully, you know, I mean, we we didn't know all all the things that could go wrong with that. I mean, you're only you only know as much as you know, and science is always getting better. And so at that time. Lead, lead service lines were something that would last forever. I mean, you could dig up a lead service line right now and take a look at it, and it looks like it did, you know, if you cleaned it off, it took the mud off of it, it looks like it did when it put it in the ground. It, it doesn't deteriorate. So you can understand why some of those decisions were made, but now we have other options, uh, and we found out through science that, that lead is actually more harmful than we, we knew. So where do we go from here? What will what does all this mean? Now, it, my understanding is that um, the act basically mandates that uh, all lead services need to be uh, removed, but funding is kind of up in the air. Yeah, so it does get a little bit confusing. The lead service line replacement act that the governor signed last year did not have a funding mechanism built into it. And the way we left it was that communities would determine for themselves how they were going to pay for it. Some communities might choose to pay for it entirely and put it in their rate. Some communities might pay for their side of the service line up to the curb box or the meter, depending on where it's at. And then the homeowner would pay for the other part of that. Some communities might have the homeowner pay for their half, but they might finance it for them over 10 years with no interest. So we wanted to create this toolbox approach so the communities had options because not all communities are the same. Now, where it gets a little bit confusing is that the uh, Federal Infrastructure Act that was approved by and signed by the president late last year does have money in it for lead service line replacement. And what they've got in there is in over the next five years, um, there are there's $15 billion that's been set aside specifically for lead service line replacement. And the federal government is going to funnel that money to the state through an existing program called the State Revolving Loan Fund Program. The reason they're doing that is because that program already exists in the states. There is a mechanism in the states to get that money out to the utilities. And truthfully, an approval process and a bureaucracy already established. So this was going to be 
the quickest way to get that money from the U.S. Treasury to the communities that are actually doing the work. Now, this money is is meant to be principal forgiveness, which means it's a grant. So most communities are going to be able to access that money and not have to pay it back. There is provisions where underserved portions of communities and low and you know poverty areas of communities are to be given a higher priority, not just for funding, but for timing. So as communities start to develop their lead service line replacement program, and they have to submit that to the IEPA for approval, the IEPA is going to review those and make sure that the community is prioritizing those lower income portions of their community and underserved portions of their community first, because those are typically where we find more lead service line. Those are usually older homes. And a lot of times those are where we find more lead service lines than in some of the more affluent areas of those communities. So there, it's basically going to be up to each utility to figure out a way of prioritizing those uh, those lower income units. Yes, that's exactly right. And the first step in this whole process, and, and this is where I will admit the water sector has been weak, is that each community has to start to develop their inventory. In fact, since 2018, the IEPA has been requiring Illinois utilities to develop their uh, water service line inventory. And so they are supposed to try to figure out what type of material was used in every home in their community. Now, that's not easy because we can't dig it up. So a lot of times we have to go by our experience in our communities. We look at things like as-built drawings from when subdivisions were built. We talk to plumbers and contractors to find out what they're seeing. And then when we get down to some of those areas of the community that we still don't know about, then we have to actually send staff into the home to take a look at the pipe that's coming in through the foundation or the wall of the basement and see what that material is made of so that we can have a, as accurate an inventory as possible. And so, so that's the first step in this process. No, no, right. I was going to say the, the utility has, I think, what, two years to make this complete inventory done? Yes. And hopefully, even though the Illinois EPA hasn't finished developing their their uh, guidance document for how to do that, hopefully communities are well underway and taking that seriously. I know many communities, you know, and hats off to a lot of these communities that have already taken all of this very seriously. They have started to do lead service line replacements, uh, you know, even a couple of years ago before the the act was finalized. They knew what was coming, and so they got out in front of it. And, and I give a lot of credit to those communities who were willing to, to move forward, knowing um, that they were going to have to do it. But yeah, they have two years to, to submit their inventory. And that inventory is supposed to be published on on the utility's website. And if the utility is so small that they may not have a website, they have to send that to the Illinois EPA so the Illinois EPA can publish it on their website. So the idea is that a resident or a homeowner can go to their utility's website and, and do a search for their specific address and see what their pipe material is made of. And that, my understanding is that's going to be somewhat of a living document in some cases where as contractors get those service lines replaced, they would go online, make the change. So uh, it would show up very quickly that uh, the, the, that lead service line has been replaced. Yeah. You, normally these, all of these projects are going to be managed by utilities. And so utility, one of the reasons for that is to make sure that it gets done, to make sure that there is technical oversight as to how it gets done and the type of materials that are used to replace the lead pipes that are there. 
and then track that material that's been used so that th- their inventories can be updated in a timely manner. And, and you're right. I mean, they are. it's always going to be a living document. And um, I, I think it's a good thing for the water sector that uh, they're getting more proactive in this in this regard. I think it's a, a big step in the right direction. And from the financing standpoint, I mean, there really isn't a good reason for a homeowner not to get this lead service line replaced. Uh, it's uh, with the with the funding that's that's available to them from on the federal standpoint, and and the, the most utilities that I've talked to, as you say, are are very willing to work with the uh, uh, the homeowner to make sure that there's not a, a huge cost to to the homeowner. So I can't really see much of a reason why people wouldn't take it uh, take advantage of getting this done. But given our current environment, there probably will be a few homeowners who are not really uh, comfortable with letting a government contractor come into their property or coming into their home, how are those lead services going to be dealt with? Well, you know, that's a good question. And and going back to your original comment, you know, there's not much of a reason for homeowners to not engage in this process and, and, and get their lead out. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite of that. There's every reason in the world to do it. First of all, it's safer for you and your family. It helps if you ever want to sell your house. That lead service line could be an impediment to the home sale. You may end up having to replace that lead service line before you can sell the house. And, you know, it may add some extra value. You've got a brand new service line. Now, having said that, uh, I know there are a number of communities, like I said, that are already going through this process and they are funding these programs 100% through the utility where they're not requiring homeowners to pay and they're still getting homeowners to push back. You know, like like you said, I mean, they're, they just don't want anybody from the government in their house. And I don't know what they're doing in their basement. I don't care what they're doing in the basement. It's important for them to let us in. If they fail to do that, and change their mind later and the money goes away, they may be forced to pay for that themselves. And in many cases, the cost to replace a lead service line, if you're in an urban or a rural area, maybe a non-Chicago situation, the cost is probably going to, could be like 10 grand. In the city of Chicago, that could be 20 or 25 grand because of the urbanized nature of that community and the pavement that gets dug up. It's really important for our customers to cooperate with us and participate in this process. Having said all that, there are some things that customers can do now while you're waiting um, because these programs are going to take a little time to get rolled out. Customers can go uh, and look at their service line coming into the house right now. If they go down in their basement and see where the pipe is coming through the floor or coming through the wall, or if they don't have a basement and they've got a, a utility closet or something in their home where the water line comes up through, generally that's where the water meter is at. Take a look at that pipe and see if you can determine what it's made of. If somebody, if you were to take a knife and carefully scratch the surface of that pipe, if it looks shiny, then that's going to be lead, you know, shiny silver. A lot of times it's pretty easy to tell if it's copper. People know what copper looks like. If it looks like a penny, then it's copper. If it's shiny, then it's probably lead. And if it's copper, then if you see it's copper, then it's copper. And then call your utility up, tell them who you are, tell them where where you live and what you did, that you went and you inspected your service line and you just want to put it on the record that you believe your service line is made of certain material. And then that saves the city, the cost of the utility time. They don't have to go to your house and it makes their inventory go quicker. And once they get that inventory quicker, it makes it easier for them to develop their lead service line replacement plan and get that enacted faster. 
and then be ready to actually start construction. So customers can actually help their utilities instead of hinder them. Uh, excellent advice. I know when my uh, my daughter and her husband were living in Jacksonville, Illinois, and yes, you could very easily tell that the, it was a lead line coming in. So it's not that difficult to identify. And as John said, it the best time is to do it now and make things easier for uh, for your utility. Before oh. we finish up, I sure, did, there ahead. was one thing that I didn't touch on. So when the community is doing their lead service line replacement plan, the amount of time that they have based on the requirements of this act depends on how many lead service lines they have. It can be anywhere from eight years to have them all done. If you don't have very many, if you've got less than 500 lead lines, I think you've got about eight years up to like Chicago that may get 30 years or 40 years to get them done. Because you can imagine trying to get 400,000 new service lines put in in the city of Chicago with all of the infrastructure they have in the ground and all the complications that they have. That takes time. And it's important to realize, and don't panic, that lead is not an acute contaminant. It is a chronic contaminant. And it's one of those things that can cause a problem if you continue to consume it over an extended period of time. Now, if you are drinking your water out of your faucet, which a lot of people do, and I encourage that, if you let your water run till you notice a good temperature change, then you know you're getting water out of the city's main and not out of your service line that has warmed up. Um, You are not going to have lead because there is no lead in the water distribution system in the streets. The lead gets in contact with the water once it comes onto your property. So if you're getting water that's off your property, you know that it's safe to drink. So that's one way that you can minimize your exposure and still drink the water. Exactly. Uh, Just let it run for a while and there's no lead in that water. Yeah, it's like a minute or two, and and that'll help uh, make sure that you're getting good quality water out of the main. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I hope to have you back sometime. Great. I'd love to do that. You let me know and I'll be here anytime. Thank you so much. That does it for this episode. Join me in a couple of weeks for another journey into the fascinating and complex world of drinking water. Email me your questions to thewaterfaucetpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Harry Harmon for The Water Faucet.